is happening right now that the Holy Spirit, that's the Spirit of God from the very throne room of God is present. And we can feel that. Those of us who follow Jesus can feel that right now. How many people feel the Holy Spirit in this right here in this, this building? Nothing special about the building. It's the fact that God is resting and He's coming as we worship Him. So in fact, Charles and April, just go and lay your hands on Lara. I just felt to say to you, Lara, that the, sh- the shadow, I sort of, sort of I saw a shadow and the shadow's falling off. Everyone just reach out their hands. Let's pray for Lara. Just see that shadow falling off you and just breaking free by the liberty and the freedom that comes through the Spirit of God. And it's peaceful. It's not dramatic. It's not um, sort of like a shock. It's actually a peaceful release because where the Spirit of God is over your life and in your spirit, in your soul, there is liberty and freedom. And the Lord is releasing you right now from that shadow, whatever it is. And Father, we just pray that a full release of your spirit over her life, her destiny, the plans that you have already preordained and ordered. And so, Father, we ask right now for you to fill her again by the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Actually, Judd, can you just come out here and just pray with Marty as well? Marty, I, 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 the Lord showed me something, so I'm, you're pretty new here. This is all a bit strange, I imagine. Thanks for coming out. But I had a picture in my head that I think is from God, and that is I could see some sort of chains, but God's going to break those chains. That, that's what I saw. And I, I'm, I'm not a super spiritual, you know, I don't jump up and down. or I'm pretty sort of even kill sort of guy. But I think that's a real message for you. So we're going to pray for you as well. So I want, I want Judd also to pray. You too, April. Just lay hands on him. Why don't we reach out our hands for Marty. Father, just, we just, I just pray over that picture that you showed me for this man, that the chains that have been holding him back would be broken in the name of Jesus. Lord, we stand together as a collective, victorious people of God, celebrating the victory that you have for this man's life. And Lord, we know that all the things from the past that have held him back, held him down, can be broken just by a single word from you today. Liberty and freedom can come because of the power of the Spirit of Christ over his life, in his spirit. And so, Father, we declare today a new release in your power, in your mercy And Father, I pray, Lord, that he would be able to step into the fullness of God, the fullness of Christ. That's what I declare over your life, Marty, the fullness of God and the fullness of Christ, that you would be led by the Holy Spirit and you would follow in the footsteps of the Spirit of God. And everybody said, Amen. I just thought, I think we should sing that chorus. Let's sing that chorus again. Oh, what a Savior. Come on, let's sing. Let's stand for a few more minutes and worship God.
from your heart. Sing it. Yes, sing it again. Keep singing. Keep singing. Honor God. Oh, what a saviour. Sing it again. Keep singing again. Sing it again. chapter 12 Romans 12 12 says this be joyful in hope patient in affliction and faithful in prayer joyful in hope do you know that we can have hope and because of that hope we can be patient in affliction and we can be faithful in prayer Joyful, patient, faithful. Joyful, patient, faithful. Right now, I just declare that there is going to be a spirit of breakthrough come across people that need it in this room as they choose to be joyful that God is in control, patient in the affliction and faithful to prayer. Just believe there are people across this room that have been feeling, Lord, I've been praying, I've been praying, I've been praying, and Lord, I haven't seen breakthrough yet. Be faithful in prayer. He is coming. If you feel comfortable across this place, I just want you to raise your hand just in this last minute. Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, I speak breakthrough. Right now in the name of Jesus, I thank you that situations will change. You will bring breakthrough as we remain faithful in prayer. Faithful, Lord.
We have hope that is in you, Jesus. You've won the victory. And we love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you take your seats for a minute? Praise God. Thank you. Let's give the music team a hand. God is good. I'm going to do two things before we come around the word this morning. Pastor Greg is going to be bringing a word around encouragement. And he's actually struggling with his voice this morning. So can we, can we encourage him when, when he's up here today? Let him know that you're with him. Let him know that you're ready to receive. Why don't we impart to him the faith that we carry as a community so that God can do a work in our lives. Is that good? Can I get an amen? Good, we're good. What we're going to do is just one uh, last quick thing before we come around the word this morning is we have over the last two weeks and we will this week and next week, for a period of a month, we've been taking up a seed offering. Now, what that seed offering is, is that we have the community hub. Now, our desire is to engage community in that place. Uh, it's going to be through uh, engaging unemployed. We've got the counselling centre. We've got the music school. There, there is incredible potential over there for us to reach community. But what we need your help with is we, we need to try and fit that place out. We need to try and get stock for the upcycle shop. So in that, we, we as a church community are believing that we can, uh, through giving, raise $30,000 in order to see this place uh, get set up. So what we're going to be doing is they're handing out uh, giving envelopes now. I know a lot of you in the community have uh, given already, and I just want to create an opportunity if there's anybody else that still needs to give or would like to give to what we're doing across the way, this is the opportunity to do so now. If you need a pen, just give me a wave. And then I want to pray. Can we pray for the community hub? Lord God, right now, I thank you, Lord, for the lives that are going to come into that place, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that the hurting, the marginalized, Lord God, even those that are not are going to come into that place, Lord. And I thank you that there is just going to be an incredible move of your presence in that place, that, Lord, people will be drawn there and they won't know why. But, Lord, I thank you that in that place, Lord, that there will be an opportunity for them to get help, Lord, whether they need food, whether they need clothing, Lord God, whether they need counselling, Lord. I thank you that there will be an opportunity as the church does, Lord God, what you've created to do, to love community, Lord God, to reach out to the marginalised and the broken, Lord God, and the segregated, Lord, and anybody who needs help. We thank you, Lord that we have an opportunity as a community to serve you in this way. Lord, I just pray for miracle after miracle to come in that place, Lord God. We thank you for it. We thank you for the provision. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. So if you're giving today, I just want to encourage you just to grab the buckets once again that are on the outside and just pass them down to the end of the row and the ushers will collect those. Now we're going to attempt to, we've had a bit of trouble with the computer this morning, we're going to attempt to show a video, but on Wednesday this week, there is a very, very special preacher coming to the Sunday Co meeting. To the Sunday Co, you like that? They're young. It's the seniors meeting. Now, this man I have heard preach more than anybody else I've ever heard preach. I've actually, I will be in the meeting, but I've actually asked my father uh, to come down uh, from Geelong. He will be speaking. He's been a senior pastor uh, over many decades of, of two churches, one in Geelong and one in Sunshine. He's actually currently the senior pastor of Waterfront Christian Church in Geelong, and he's my dad. 
and uh, a, a lot of the humour that I carry, I have, I have gained from him and his insight. So he'll be speaking. I'm going to come to the se- uh, seniors meeting as well. I want to encourage you, if you haven't been to this meeting before, I'd love for you guys to come so that we can pray and that we can worship God together. Uh, it'll be an incredible meeting. I love hearing my dad bring the word. Uh, so I want to encourage you guys to be out on Wednesday at 10 a.m. upstairs. So what we're going to do now as Pastor Greg comes is we're going to try and see the recap video once again for Term 3 with Awakened Youth. And we'll invite Pastor Greg to come. Fantastic. So, of course, youth is on again this Friday. How you all doing? How you doing? Oh, my Lord, you need another coffee. Or you need another tea. Yeah, you need another coffee. Maybe we should do orders during the service. I've been to some churches where you can actually go to the back and make a coffee during the service, which is fantastic. We don't do that here, unfortunately, but don't all rush out just because I'm up here. Um, You're probably wondering where my bride is. We actually just celebrated our 31st wedding anniversary. Hey, listen, living with me for 31 years, that needs a medal for sure and a lot of encouragement. Um, but actually what's happened, she just, she's just uh, texted me a photo. Our son is preaching at Hillsong in the city um, this morning and so she was torn. Do I come here? Do I go there? I said, just, just go and encourage him. It's the first time he's had the morning gig so he was pretty nervous. He was up until I don't know what it was. It was like one o'clock going over his notes and his sermon Um, because it was like the big thing but he's doing very very well so she's over there our relationship is going well Um, but I am on my lonesome this morning unfortunately I want to talk to you about encouragement in fact you can see on the screen there thanks Ian there's a simple sort of verse here in first Thessalonians that actually says encourage one another and build each other up now I don't know about you but I think of my life and the impact of discouragement. So things that people say, the way you're treated, you know, there's injustices. Um, people sometimes are very unkind in what they say to you, sometimes intentionally or unintentionally. We, we sort of, we live in this world where there's all this sort of brokenness and fracture that goes on and effectively hurt people hurt other people. When someone's in pain and they're not, sort of satisfied with the direction of their life or how things, what they thought was going to be their life has been totally different, often that pain that is so deep and searing actually comes out in, well, aggression and attack on somebody else, which is often people like you and me. Now, of course, sometimes we're the ones that do the hurting because of our own hurt. So why do we have this simple commandment in the Bible to encourage one another and to build each other up. Why does it need to be there? In fact, it, ha- it actually, this phrase is mentioned 29 times in the New Testament. 
the Greek word which means to come alongside and aid someone or support someone. Why do we have it 29 times? There's only one occurrence. Why does God see it necessary for us to be commanded? This is actually a command. It's not like a nice cliche suggestion. It's a command to actually encourage each other and to build one another. Well, I think because we get deconstructed just, well, a couple of things, sort of ideas that I wrote down. Let me, let me go to my notes just to remind myself. Sometimes our past, I think about my past, you know, my childhood, um, primary caregivers, um, the sort of life that I ended up when I was a young boy and teenager in a boy's home, and the way I was treated by different people who had authority over me, the words that came out of their mouths. I think about your own past and how, it, you know, those formative years can dictate how you behave today. And, and effectively, if you don't resolve that pain, you're destined to repeat it. How many times have you said things like, I'll never speak that way like my mum or dad or my parents. I'd never say that. And lo and behold, 20 years later, you have children and what comes out of your mouth? The very thing you swore you'd never do or say. Because our past has such an impact on us and that we don't sort of stop and consider what do we carry that's negative, destructive, but forces us to repeat it if we haven't resolved it. School's the same sort of thing. What about difficulties just in life? You know, things I've written down here. We've had family tragedies. Um, you know, we have a family member that lost a, a child, stillborn child. I had to speak at that funeral. That was very, very difficult, not just for them, but for the whole family. What about things like when work doesn't go well or you get mistreated or misunderstood, when, when families break up or there's fights or there's misunderstandings and things are said and, you, you know, it just... Life in itself, the workplace, think about your workplace and, and how that's gone or how that's going right now. And the things that you carry because of this discouragement that happens where it's almost like a dog-eat-dog -dog world and everyone else is looking after themselves or looking out for themselves. Sometimes you don't have enough money to pay the bills, you're under stress, you've had a fight with your spouse or you're not sure what to do with your children when they act up. All these things add up to discouragement courage to strip away courage to actually erode in your head and your heart the ability where you feel like life is worthwhile life is enjoyable and you have something to contribute to the world and the space that you live in what about our own self-talk i think many people whether you're christian or non-christian you have a tape recorder that's running around in your head and it's usually from things that were said in the younger years, things like you're no good, you'll never measure up. I was told when I was, when I was in grade three by a teacher, I would never catch up to read or write. Now that teacher's probably right, by the way. I still can't spell. Um, Sue studied to be a school teacher, so thank goodness she has to proofread every slide. That slide was read by my wife because I can't spell. What makes it even funnier is Charles can't spell, so I can't go to him for help. Nick can't spell either, so I can't go to him for help. So I'm there texting photos of screenshots of my, of my computer to Sue. Can you proofread this for Sunday? But, you know, when those words were spoken, of course, it's almost like this, um, it's prophetic in a way, isn't it? It can actually shape what you think about yourself. Oh, I'll never learn to read or write. It can shape you. And you have this tape recorder running around in your head telling you 
how bad you are, how defective you are, and how you'll never make it, never measure up, never be any good. Those sort of things strip the courage out of our hearts that really the Holy Spirit wants to put back in there. He wants to restore and speak freedom and life into our souls, into our minds. Now, the word discouraged actually comes from, um, it's an old French word, the, the dis at the front of encourage, discourage, actually comes from the idea of to reverse. So in the old French language, it was a reversal of courage. That's what discouragement means, to reverse the courage. And so when you think about that, that's what happens. We get into this spiral you know, I think in our heads, you know, when I get discouraged, I get a spiral effect of winding in and tighter and tighter that how, you know, I could never speak in public or I couldn't do this or you'll never do that, you'll never have children. I didn't have a father, how am I going to parent children? And you end up with this spiraling thing that happens up here and when that happens, it affects your heart. And, and effectively, your heart loses any sort of hope. I mean, given what the verse that, Charles read, being led by the Spirit this morning, about hope. See, God wants to encourage. So, the word encourage is also from an old French language that means to put in courage. So, en, E-N, is actually, um, I think it's partly Latin as well, it talks about putting it back in, to encourage. Don't discourage, we're not reversing the effect of courage in our hearts, we have to actually put it back into each other. That's what God commands us. Now, the biblical word that, that's used here in this text here, of course, Paul didn't speak French, and so he wrote First Thessalonians here. He uses the word uh, parakletus, which is come alongside and to aid you, to support you. But it's the same concept, to put it in there, get it in there, encourage each other and build each other up. Now, I've got to say, I don't think that this style of encouragement, gospel encouragement, kingdom of God encouragement, is the same as the encouragement our world thinks about, uses and does. So, you know, often in our society and culture, the form of encouragement we get from other people is platitude. It's cliché. It's like a pat on the back. It'll be all right, dear. Have another cup of tea. That's not encouragement, right? Are you with me? That's not encouragement. Do you ever feel encouraged when someone does that to you? Or do you feel like you want to throw the cup of tea at them? You can be honest. I'm trying to encourage you this morning. This sort of encouragement comes from the fact that we have Christ and the Spirit of God. We do have a hope. Our hope is not in the world or the culture that we live in. Our hope is in the commands and the destiny and the promises of our God that never fail. Your life is not determined by what other people have said to you. Whether you feel like you've been stripped bare by the, the harsh terminology, ideas, brutal criticisms where your soul gets suffocated and you, you just can't seem to let it go. But when you come into God's kingdom through Jesus Christ, we're supposed to encourage, put it back in there. But it's not encouragement as the world gives because the world doesn't have much to offer. If you think that your life is only flesh and blood 
and the only existence that you have happens until the moment you take your last breath, you are wrong. Our courage comes from the fact that we go to live with Jesus and his kingdom will reign forever. That's where our courage comes from. Our courage comes, well, we're singing it, in the victorious resurrection of Jesus. Our courage is different. We're not making it up. It's not, it's not sort of pumping yourself up because you're a little bit down. It's about the fact of the gospel that brings a new reality and a new vision to my understanding about my life, which goes far beyond my flesh and blood existence. My death is not the end. That's where my courage comes from, from who Jesus is, what he said to do in this world, and what he promised about the next life. That's how we encourage each other. And in fact, the phrase that's, that's on the screen here, the next thing that Paul says, which is sort of a play on words in the Greek, he actually explains what encouragement is in the kingdom of God. It's building up. It's building up. It's not tearing down. It's not discouragement. It's not stripping away. It's not criticism. It's not cynicism. It's actually building each other up. But listen carefully. It's also not denying if someone has a fault. It's also not covering up when someone is misbehaving. This is true encouragement saying that God has called you to something bigger and better and you could do it. This is the day that you could do it. That's encouragement. Kingdom encouragement, not culture encouragement. It's not the same thing. So I told you what my grade three teacher said. I have a, a friend, actually a colleague, not, not in this church. He has, a, he has a different story. He, like me, was also an extremely naughty boy at school. Um, you know, I used to get pulled into the headmaster's office every second day. I, I might as well just moved in there, had my classes in there, because I was so naughty. And this other colleague of mine was also very, very naughty. And so what happened in his story that actually changed his life the teacher that he had, I think around grade four, uh, left the school and moved on to another school. So midway through the year, in the class that he was in, they got a brand new teacher. So the, te the new teacher, the other kids are sitting in this classroom waiting for the new teacher on this, this morning to come into the room. The new teacher walks into the door and walks straight up to this guy that I know and looked him straight in the eye and he said, the new teacher said to him, I've heard everything about you. But frankly, I don't believe a word of it. And he turned around, went to his desk and started teaching. But that man says to me, that changed his life. He doesn't know why, but it's encouragement. Whatever was driving his misbehaviour and bad behaviour, the, 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 uh, the sort of dominant controlling effect that it had on him ceased because someone believed him and said, hey, I've heard all about you, but you know what? I don't really believe it. There's more to you than that. Surely, come on. And he said it, he doesn't understand the dynamics, but it changed his destiny. Just that one phrase. I don't believe a word of it. The encouragement builds up. Discouragement strips away and chokes, suffocates. Encouragement constructs the sort of life, attitudes and spirit and heart that God wants us to have. Now listen to this, because this is the issue. God can't do it for us. Now God does encourage us. He encouraged Lara today, Marty today, 
probably encourage many other people, just maybe God touching you, speaking to you personally. But this command is we have to do it. This is about our responsibility to each other. There's enough criticism in this world. There's enough judgment in this world. But in the kingdom of God, we have responsibility to look each other in the eye and encourage each other. God wants us to speak hope, faith and life. Even sometimes a rebuke is an encouragement. A correction is an encouragement. But God wants us to take responsibility for us to be built up. That's the phrase. It's a construction image. It's absolutely just a normal construction image. So we live in a world of construction, just like Paul did, where there's buildings going up. In our world, we have cranes and, you know, big moving equipment. In their world, they didn't have all that. But this principle's the same. Just piece by piece, brick by brick, build each other up. That's encouragement. Put courage back in there. That's what it is. Now, you and I have the responsibility to do it. Nobody else can do it because they're not in the kingdom of God like we are. This is a different form of encouragement. That God is on your side. That God does see what you're suffering. That God knows where he's taking you. That's the sort of encouragement that we are commanded. This is not a suggestion. In the original language that this is written in, this is a direct command to do it collectively together. To encourage each other and build one another up. And as I mentioned, it's not the only time, 29 times in the New Testament. So here's what I'm going to get you to do. Right now, I'm going to ask you to encourage someone. So I want you to stand up. Come on. I know we don't do this during a sermon. This is radical, right? This is out there. I have to actually look at someone and talk to them. I simply just want you to look around the room. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to go and encourage someone that you've noticed something good about them. Off you go. You can move right around the room. Take a few moments. But build someone up. Fantastic. Just take your seats. 
Now, I hope someone came along and actually spoke some courage back into your heart. Because encouragement is a requirement in the kingdom of God for all of us to do together. In fact, look, my passion, my dream today is this would be a day where you would continually encourage someone. And in fact, make it a passion this week to encourage other people in your family, in the church world, other Christians that you know, even your neighbours. Encourage them. Put some courage back into their lives. We are so easily eroded from courage. Now, if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to another scripture in Acts chapter 4. I am actually going to tell you um, about a guy called Barnabas. So go to the next slide. Thanks, Anne. Now, you ever had a nickname? Who's ever had a nickname here in the building? You ever had a nickname? Probably anyone had a nickname you can't repeat in the building? <laughs> Keep your hand up. It's all right. I've had a few of those. I'll repeat some of the ones I had. When I was a, a teenager, I think it was about um, maybe 11. I'm trying to think of the exact year. But my uh, haircut was atrocious. It was, I had, I've always had quite thin but very thick hair. Until now I'm going bald at the back. But my haircut was a straight line across here and then straight down here and then straight around the back. So, of course, my encouraging schoolmates called me Helmethead. <laughs> I was Helmethead. Um, I asked on Facebook this week whether other people had nicknames. I'm not going to divulge anyone who responded who's in this room in terms of identifying you, but um, I'll tell you some of the other ones. Of course, someone called Mr. Price got called Pricey. It's very Aussie, isn't it, to sort of shorten it? Or my son often get call, gets called Muzzer, you know, because his surname's Murray. Very Aussie traditional. Um, someone called Charlesworth got called Charlie. Um, one of the Santa Stefano members got called Fano. Sutton to Sudsy, very Aussie. But nicknames can ref reflect um, a physical feature, so like my haircut. Um, so someone who had really curly hair, they obviously got called curly. Nicknames could be of a defect in your character or a good part of your character. Um, I've got a friend of mine who's a chaplain to the outlaw motorcycle gangs. And he has a doctorate in theology, so he's, he's actually quite a learned um, theologian in actual fact. But he, he came out of the uh, biking movement himself and met Jesus pretty radically, still rides a, a Harley, all that sort of stuff. And so one of his sort of ministries, he's ended up getting embedded in the, the outlaw motorcycle gangs. And because in his business, his official business cards has sort of doctor, because he's a doctorate of theology, they call him Doc. But he does all their funerals, weddings, counselling, goes and sits with them at the bar while they're doing drugs and alcohol and all this other stuff. He's a great character, but they call him Doc. Well, you know, Barnabas had a nickname. In fact, Barnabas is not his name. His name's Joseph. And yet in the New Testament, in, in, in the book of Acts, that talks about Barnabas in some detail and gives some of his life story, it calls him by his nickname, which means encouragement. That's what Barnabas means in the original language. Son of encouragement or the encourager. So I'm just going to show you two very quick things just before we come to a close today. Why the original disciples that lived and walked with Jesus when they first met this man and he came to faith, why did they give him this nickname? Because they're the ones that actually gave it to him. They called him encourager. He's the encourager. 
I think there's a couple of things we can learn from Barnabas from the story we have of his life about what kingdom encouragement really means, that it's not just cliche. It actually, well, I'm going to show you two things. It's sacrificial and it's also standing up for other people. Just two things. There there are a few other things, but time's getting away. So look, in Acts 4, verse 37, is where we first hear about Barnabas, but right up in the front, Luke, as the author, goes out of his way to tell us, his name's actually not Barnabas, it's Joseph, but the apostles, that is the men that, that actually lived and walked with Jesus around Galilee, did all the ministry with Jesus, and then started to plant the church after Jesus' ascension, they nickname him Barnabas. Now, Barnabas actually is a Levi, so he had Jewish blood, but he's not from Jerusalem. <coughs> Pardon me. He actually came from the island of Cyprus. So he's Levi, Jewish by birth, but he's living in a non-Jewish culture, the Gentile culture, to use biblical words. But when he comes to Jerusalem, we're not sure why he comes there. So when he travels from Cyprus, he's obviously got a bit of wealth. And in fact, if he did act as a Levi in the temple at Jerusalem at any time, which he could have, then in actual fact, when he converts to Christianity and believes that Jesus is the Messiah, he's so generous with his wealth... He sells a field that he owns, his family owns, and he gives all the money to the disciples of Jesus to distribute amongst the poor. He's sacrificial. Wouldn't you like to be nicknamed the encourager because you sell what you've got and give it to the poor? See, encouragement's not just words, it's sacrifice. He embodied, he was encouragement just by doing that one thing. Now, the interesting thing for me who loves reading Bible stories and text and looking at original language and the nuances, even in English, here's something that might surprise you. The reason we're introduced to Barnabas at this part of Acts is because Luke wants to tell the story of a couple called Ananias and Sapphira. Now, Luke wants to tell this story (laughs) because they get killed for lying about how much they give to God. It goes a bit quiet when you say that in the room, doesn't it? So Luke introduces Barnabas to us as the readers as the good version of sacrificial giving in contrast to a couple that say, oh, we sold this and we gave it all. But they didn't give it all, they lied. And as a result, they dropped dead. That's God's judgment on them. And then we have this idea of Barnabas is so... Even though he's not from Jerusalem, he's got Jewish heritage, but he's lived in a Greek culture. But now he's now he's a disciple. He's so radically changed, he sells and gives everything and lets the, the apostles distribute the money according to who had need. See, that's encouragement. Wouldn't you be encouraged if you had no food to eat, nowhere to live, and someone else in our church sold something and the money was pointed towards your direction to help meet a real need, that you were, you're almost desperate to survive. Wouldn't that encourage you? So this is one of the reasons he gets the name. This is not platitude, cliche. This is not just words. This is sacrificial living. Now, the second thing I'm going to tell you as I bring this to a close is it's also standing up for other people. And really, I, I, he's one of my Bible heroes. I don't think he gets enough attention. He sort of drifts into the story of the first church and then he drifts out after sort of Paul takes really the lead. But I'm going to show you something about him. So I'm going to fast forward a couple of years from the Ananias and Sapphira sort of comparison or contrast really 
Now, Saul, if you go to the next slide, thanks, Ian. Saul, who's also Paul, was a rabbi and he was anti anyone who was following Jesus. In fact, he was leading the charge to have Christians killed. He's at the stoning of Stephen. And in fact, in, again, Luke records that Paul was pleased at the death of Stephen. And then we have other little stories. If you keep reading through Acts, we have these little nuances about Saul going and he, when he was in Damascus, at the synagogue at Damascus, he was looking for other people of the way, which is the original word for Christians. And so he's looking for other Christians to have them killed. Now, some of you will know the story. Saul, as he heads to Damascus, has an encounter with Jesus and he goes blind. Jesus says, why are you persecuting my church? And he can't see. And of course, a few days later, God sends someone to heal him. But he has this radical encounter with Jesus. So he goes from being the lead murderer of Christians to being a Christ follower, follower himself. You can't imagine that sort of transformation, can you? Now, Barnabas hears about Saul. And so he makes a relationship with him. We're not told how, when, the details but he connects with him. What's interesting is Barnabas is so passionate that Saul's had a real encounter with the living Jesus. He goes to the apostles, of which technically he's one of them, but obviously they're over him. He goes back to Jerusalem and says to the apostles, guys, you have to meet this man. Now, put yourself in the apostles' shoes. They're hearing all the stories of the death of other believers. They're hiding for their lives on occasion, just thankfully Saul hasn't spent that much time lately in Jerusalem or else he would have gone after them. And so one of someone from your group comes in and says, fellas, listen, you're not going to believe this. You know that guy's been killing us? He's actually become a Christian and you should meet him. Now, would we put that to a vote of who wants to meet him? Wouldn't you think it was a bit deceptive and you think Saul's got another agenda? So it's actually Barnabas that convinces the apostles who walked and talked with Jesus, that this was real. The very men that actually were so close to Christ couldn't see the reality of what God was doing in Saul. It just blows my mind. It's incredible. Saul goes into bat for him. Oh, sorry, Barnabas goes into bat for him. And he argues with the apostles. Now, again, we're not shown the details of this discussion, probably thank goodness. But he says to them, you have to meet him. You've got to see it for yourself. See, to me... The encourager is not just sacrificial, but the encourager spots what God is doing in someone else and he'll stand up for them, even at his own disgrace and expense. That's what he does. That's what an encourager does. It's not cliche. It's not platitude. It's not cultural encouragement. It's kingdom encouragement. I can see God is doing something in you and I'm going to stay with you and support you no matter what these other mature people think. It's radical, isn't it? Crazy. Now, let's fast forward a few more years. Um, actually, I'll get the worship team. Can you come back up? I know time's gone. I think we'll, fin we'll finish that first song we did. Thanks, guys. Let's fast forward a few years. So the apostles have met Saul, and they realize that Saul actually is a disciple of Jesus. As, as crazy and as radical as that is, it's genuine. Now, Barnabas is so much of an encourager. When Stephen was killed and stoned to death, 
that caused an outbreak of real persecution in Jerusalem of other Christians. So it sort of created this wave and surge of other people joining in the slaughter of other Christians. So what, what that did is it pushed the, the few Christians there were, and they were all Jewish Christians at this point in history, it pushed them out of Jerusalem and into surrounding villages so they too wouldn't get killed. The result of that is, of course, the gospel spread. There's this place called Antioch, and so many non-Jewish people become Christians because of this persecution and the, and the Jews going into these other towns for safety, but taking their life message about Jesus with them. Well, Antioch has got so many people coming to faith. The apostles say to Barnabas, we want you to go to Antioch and run that little church. Because they could see in him the encouragement that, that these non-Jewish people who are now becoming disciples, first time in history, non-Jews become Christians, people like you and me, Barnabas is the one that becomes their minister. That church grows so quickly under Barnabas' leadership, he can't cope. So he says to the apostles, I need some help. Guess who they send to help him? Saul. And for 12 months, Saul and Barnabas run that church. They preach, teach, minister, proclaim the gospel outside, and that church explodes. Then they go on this missionary trip. You know, the first missionary tri organized mission trip in history, as we understand it. The Holy, they've been praying and fasting. There was a time of famine. And the Holy Spirit said to the apostles, I want you to send Barnabas and Paul. We'll call him Paul from now on. Same man, Saul, but just switch names because of the transformation that takes place in him. The Holy Spirit says to them, lay hands on them and send those two men out to preach the gospel in other, other towns and nations. First mission trip in history. They take a few other guys with them on that trip. One of them is Barnabas's cousin. He's called John Mark. So John Mark goes with them. But you know what? John Mark's a little bit new at the whole thing. And they face a lot of persecution. They have to escape for their lives. They're brought before rulers and, and, and other religious um, priests from different gods and Greek temples. Um, cause trouble for them, try to kill them. So this is not, this is not you know, missions to um, the Gold Coast. You with me? Now, John Mark, he can't cope. So about halfway through that trip, he goes back home. A second mission trip comes up, and Barnabas and Paul are having a discussion of who should go with them on this second trip. Barnabas says, hey, let's take John Mark. What do you think Paul says? You're joking. You're joking. We're not taking that loser. He didn't even hang out the first time. What do you think? We're going to take him again? But Barnabas says to Paul, in fact, if you read the, read the story, Luke's very clear here, they have a sharp disagreement, is the word. Barnabas can see in Mark what Paul couldn't see in Mark. So even though Mark failed the first time, Barnabas saw what God was doing in him. Now, here's the irony for me. I think without Barnabas, it's quite possible we wouldn't have the Gospel of Mark. Because John Mark is the one who wrote the Gospel of Mark. So Barnabas actually says, okay, Paul, if you feel that strongly about him, you go left, I'll go right, I'll take him with me. Paul takes Silas and goes the other way. Now, we know they come together, you know, relationally, Mark and Paul, later on in life. But at that moment, Barnabas stood up because he could see something in John Mark that even Paul couldn't spot. And without Barnabas, we might not have the Gospel of Mark. Without Barnabas, we may not have the epistles of Paul. 
we may actually not have had the words that were on the screen. Put that first slide back up for me, Ian. That first slide, that first text out of 1 Thessalonians was written by a man called Saul who was encouraged by Barnabas. You put John Gospel and the epistles of Paul together, that's over a third of the New Testament. Because one man said, I'll sacrifice and I'll stand up for other people. Even if others don't see it, I'm an encourager. Why don't you stand with me? I want you to close your eyes and think about the people in your life. Whoever they might be, however close or distant, think about your family, maybe your work colleagues, maybe the history that you have with them. Could be fractured. But I bet after hearing what the Lord has put on my heart to tell you to do, you can go and encourage them this week. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow at work. But actually put some courage back in them. Just have a look at them and say, God, what is it that you're doing in their lives? Show me. And then speak about it to them. Encourage. Put courage back into them. Don't just be destructive in your speech, in your manner, in the way you treat other people. That strips back or discourages. It, it, it's like the destruction of a building. We are called to build each other up in the kingdom of God by being sacrificial and by standing up for other people. So Father God, I just pray right now that we would take this simple phrase, encourage one another and build each other up and put it into practice. Lord, let us not just hear your word and forget it, but may we take it and be the word like Barnabas was. May we be called the encourager. May we actually lay down part of who we are, what we have financially even, what we think about other people or seeing their faults, their criticisms, their nastiness. May we see past that to what you see in their lives. So Jesus, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would rest on us and help us to be obedient to this cause where we would encourage each other in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Oh, come on. <laughs> I said, this is a great message. You like it when you're on the other end of encouragement. You've got to give it. That's better. Now, just before we sing this song, I just want to say, if you want to know more about what it is to be a uh, follower of Jesus. What, what does this Christianity stuff mean? You've heard a little bit from us today. You've seen that we sing to God. We believe in the Spirit of God is present. But we've got a little booklet here about why Jesus explains who Jesus was, what he did, where he lived, what he, some basic things he taught. And also we have a Bible here that contains more teachings of Jesus. So if you want to know more about following Jesus or you want to ask someone, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it really mean? So not just what you've heard, but ask someone that you came with today, then we've got, a, we've got this to give to you free of charge, no obligation. We're not asking you to join you know, a church or an organisation, a denomination. We just want to connect you with Jesus. Does anyone want one of these? Put your hand up right now and our host will get one. There's someone right down the front here. Thanks, guys. Someone else? Totally free. Just keep your hands up. There's two here. Fantastic. Why don't we give them a big, big hand? There's one down the back there as well. 
Thanks very much. All right, let's sing together.